Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish tech news. This week on The Futurists, image and heat. I just love the idea that this thing, this thing, my voice, so personal to me, has an opportunity to go and exist with other people's thoughts and ideas. Well, hello and welcome back to The the Futurists. I'm Rob Tursik, and this week my co-host is Katie King, Miss Metaverse, joining me. Hi, Katie. Oh, hey, welcome back. <laughs> Good to see you again. Yeah, and I'm seeing a lot of you this week in your pink your pink palace there. Um, yes. So, so we have been, um, we've had, frankly, too many, uh, too many techie nerds on the show, too many guys. And too many. Uh, it's, it's been a mission of mine to try to diversify as much as possible. I bumped into somebody perfect at an event in Los Angeles a month ago where we were talking about the future of artificial intelligence and creative art. And, um, and, and over the course of the conversation, I said, I got so excited. I was like, you've got to be on the show. Our guest today is a, a multi-Grammy award-winning musician. She's also a technologist who's done pioneering things with blockchain and haptics and other kinds of technologies. We'll be talking about that and artificial intelligence because you can't get away from it. So let's give a big welcome to Imogen Heap. Hi. Hi, good to see you. Hi. Thanks see for making you time. I know, you, I know you've been really busy making music and uh, we're thrilled to talk to you today. Where are you right now? Are you in the UK? Are you in London? I'm in Hackney, London, where I live with my daughter. Right on, cool. Yeah. Nice. Good to see you. <laughs> and um, what's keeping you busy these days? Uh, well, some I can talk about, some I can't. But um, one of the one of the fun ones actually is I just uh, I'm writing a song with uh, a bunch of school friends of Scouts uh, because the school doesn't really offer much music. In fact, it doesn't offer any music. It's a, like a local primary state primary school. Um, so I've got like a bunch of eight to twelve year olds, and we were meant to be doing a choir, but. Um, I'm like, do you know what? We haven't got enough time to learn these songs. And it's kind of boring just learning songs. Why don't we make a song? Um, so we're making a song and it's so good. I absolutely love it. Um, oh, one of my best like selling songs ever, selling songs, or best streaming songs, um, is a song called The Happy Song. And a that happy was song. the last yes. Yes. Happy song. Um, makes babies happy around the world and parents under two. I mean, not the parents, the, uh, the child, obviously. Um, anyway, so that was the last song I wrote with my daughter. And this is the second song, and now she's eight. So I'm feeling like like it's you know maybe the next one she'll be 14 and who knows um but it's really great it's called the history of sound which is excited about it that's very cool so yeah that's a that's a feature of your of your uh, your performance history or your recording history is that you've made songs for social causes you've made songs for local groups uh you know and inspired by your own life tell us a little bit about what inspires you um i guess i am quite easily distracted so if something grabs my attention, then that's what's going to happen. A song's going to happen. A piece of technology is going to happen. My attention is like grabbed and lit and then there's nothing can stop me. Um, and even if I've got a million other things going on, I'm like, oh no, this thing. And then off I go. And my team are like, wait a minute. Okay, we're going this way now. Um, so for me, yeah, it's it's it could be place and time or a person or a new technology um, or something somebody said, or it can be really anything. Um, but this time it was, the school needs some music. Um, the kids are like sat learning things that are quite rigid. And I just wanted to like invite some creativity and spontaneity and kind of like let loose and go crazy. So we're kind of exploring with sound painting, um, which is a, a kind of improvised uh, mode of, uh, you actually use it with orchestras, um, but I've never done it before, but I just thought, I quickly looked it up like about 10 minutes before my first lesson and I was like, this looks good, I'll do this. And I quickly learned some gestures um, and we basically, yeah, kind of create music on the fly um, with these 24 kids and it's super fun. Very spontaneous. Um, so, yes. 
Yes. <laughs> you know, actually, I remember back in 2014, I believe it was, when you were making the Mimu gloves for yeah. uh, the wearable tech gloves. Yeah, that was such an awesome project. How is wearable tech impacting the way that artists create music? And what did you learn from making the Mimu gloves? Yeah, well, sadly, it's not uh, impacting us so much. Um, it would be great if it was impacting us a bit more, like it was a bit more prevalent, a bit more off the shelf, a bit cheaper. Um, you know, still we're kind of in this, you know, zeros and ones and kind of on and off and up and down space, this kind of machine space. But, you know, the more we kind of use IR cameras and heat sensing cameras and, you know, AR technology, then we will be able to use our hands more um, and less of the typing. Um, because, you know, it, it, it should just be like text, just, you know, text, um, kind of you know what do you call it? Uh, actions like text actions um like make me a thing uh do this copy this over here but equally you could just like you know make a copy and a paste action so i'm just like closing my fist and opening my hand so when it comes to music um i'm doing the same i'm like it feels natural to like grab my voice like i've just caught it in midair and i hold it for as long as i need to record it and then i release my hand to open hand so i'll be doing the same thing as like you would on a sampler where you just record uh and like end the record um but because you're like in the flow of performance it doesn't you don't disengage with the audience you're just kind of doing it on the fly and the, you know we have these amazing bodies and they can do really amazing things um and we're like quite very limited just hunched over our computers and our like control surfaces so it's just about like humanizing the technology that we use and being able to kind of live live within it or like mm -hmm. it come closer to us um and so, yeah, we, we hope that we're in some way, you know, moving forward um, this this way that we interact with tech in a small way. Um, you know, maybe there'll be some kind of gestural global language that we'll emerge. Um, Do you use that kind of technology more in um, when you're composing music or when you're recording in a studio or when you're performing live? Like where, where would that be most useful for you, that kind of embodied yeah. music creation? Um, I suppose the the most way I've used it mainly is in performance, but as I've had a bit more time and I've kind of taken on a bit more team people to uh, do things for me when I'm doing other things, I could be like going doing a song down there and I've got like thing I need to do with the song that somebody else could do, then I'd be like, okay, you do this thing and time this thing over here and I'm going to go upstairs and fool around with the live set. Um, but actually more and more I'm trying to create a kind of a massive session that allows me to pull in and out things that I need. Um, so it could be a sampler, it could be a drum machine, um, it could be a certain reverb with an effect at the end of it. So I'm kind of creating these clusters of effects and musical instruments that I can pull in at any moment uh, to create music from. Because actually one of the things I did recently uh, was with this amazing choreographer in LA called Jacob Jonas, and he got in touch with me over lockdown. And he said that, um, you know, would I like to collaborate with him? And I don't usually read all the messages, but for some reason I did look at this one and I and I saw how amazing he was. And I was like, oh, I would love to work with you. But when the time came, of course, I'm, I'm never prepared for anything. Um, I'm always very last minute and I, I just can't prepare. So I'm always like in the moment, in the fluster. So I'm trying to develop things uh, that I can just literally rock up open up my magic box of tricks and off I go. Um, and so the gloves are really helpful for that. So what I did with Jacob was, you know, he had um, three dancers that he was working with uh, on a piece and I live improvised with my voice and just a piano and uh, kind of conjured some, some music while they were dancing. And at the time I thought, oh, it's not very good. And I was a bit kind of marred with tech problems at the time. But actually when I came home and I listened back to it, I was like, actually, this is really good. And I would never have done that if I'd like sat down with a keyboard and done some stuff. It was just, it really had something special. So I'm quite excited, you know, in this You mean, you mean the live where, performance, the, the dancers uh, that gave you a kind of spontaneity? Yeah, because they were moving and I was reacting with with sound, with like vocal effects, with uh, melodies that were just coming out, sometimes kind of quite guttural like, sounds that were just like through big long reverbs and then tuned down and reversed and just whatever felt right in the moment. And at the time I felt like, oh, this isn't very good because I was being too, you know, thinking too much about it. But actually when I came back and I listened to it, I was like, this is something really great. Like I've never written anything like this. This is amazing. So now I'm trying to create a sound a system a live performance system and a kind of live creation system um so that i can be that in the moment because especially in light of you know 
music just about to just become even more like background music as AI generative uh, works just like flood system. Um, so I think more than ever that that live uh, that that live interaction with someone that they're really in the room making something with you right there and you can see it, you can feel it is really something special so i think you're right about that and clearly for the music industry live you know live performances and festivals have become kind of the the leading thing the leading way to engage people and for people to discover artists uh how important is live for your own career right now um well (laughs) it's more about it wasn't so much about live actually it's more about just composing in the moment with people so yeah. that you're not in a studio because you could be generating stuff, whatever. It's just like literally the kind of pheromones and oh, everyone kind of together bouncing off each so other. You, so you mean the collaboration yeah. aspect of it? Uh, yeah, with just other the people being in the room, in the flow. And that, yeah, and that kind of manifests all kinds of change that are like cool. kind of subliminal, but they do change the, the course of, of the creative space. Um, but live has, yeah, of course, uh, hugely impacted. Uh, impacted my life and I love that moment of connection with the audience um, and yeah I, I use it as an experimenting uh, experimenting place um, and often I, again I kind of turn up quite uh, un, unprepared and I'm often trying out new equipment in front of everyone um, and often messing it up but as a result you know we create this quite r- r- robust live uh, gestural music making system now um, and it was really fun you know and lots of things we discovered along the way that um, had we not tested it in a live environment uh, we wouldn't have been able to build what we built. That's very fearless to test out something brand new in front of an audience. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like I relish off that. Like I almost invite it. Like I know that I have like a talk or something to do, and I'm just like, oh, it's still, I've still got all of tomorrow to do it. And then something happens, and oh, I've still got all of the night to do it. And then it's like five o'clock in the morning. Oh, but I've still got two hours until I, you know, really need to get up. Um, and I just literally like push it right up, right up. And then what's left is like the most condensed, important thing, hopefully, that comes out. And then you just like use your wit and charm to kind of get around it, hopefully. Um, I mean, it doesn't work at something like scared. It goes terribly wrong. Um, but, you know, for most most of the time, it's kind of, yeah, people just uh, yeah. Now, as an artist, you've been using technology throughout your career, right? And you're, and you're very versatile because you were trained in more classical instruments, things like the clarinet and, and uh, the cello. Uh, but now you play a full range of instruments and you even create your own instruments. Do you consider yourself a creative technologist or a musician, a recording artist or a performer, or, or is it all three, or is one of those more important than the others? Um, I don't really know. I guess I, I guess in the fullest sense, I consider myself as a recording artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy the, um, the moment of recording. I enjoy the different processes of recording. I enjoy the different, um, uh, yeah, kind of collaborations and people around me and time and space and country and all kinds of things that kind of go into the recording. Um, And then I really love most, I think, just conjuring in the moment, um, just being at my most creative. And if that can, that is often to do with time. So the the most limited amount of time um, is when I get my most creative. It also leaves me quite stressed most of the time. (laughs) Um, Under pressure. (laughs) Under pressure, yeah. exactly. Literally nothing would get done if it wasn't for the last minute. Um, it's it's true, it's true, true, true for me. Um, but yeah, I, I can't do anything for too long. Like at the moment, you know, developing three different apps. Um, one called Thank the DJ, uh, which I've always wanted to create, but I'm actually going to do it now. Um, a little app where I can reach out uh, the minute one of my songs gets played on the radio. Uh, I can call up and thank the uh, the DJ. Um, and you know, if they how would that work? Because I'll be well, um, oh my goodness, sorry, can you hear that? That's the cat. She's on okay. heat and it's horrendous. She's just like, it's like someone's trying to kill her. Um, anyway, Pomzilla aside. Um, yeah, the idea is that, so I found this company uh, like a, a, at the very baseline um, where they just are able to um, know what music is being played on 20,000 radio stations around the world. Um, and they get that, you know, within a minute, you can know what songs are being played if you... You know, you have a fingerprint of, of an audio, uh, you know, song that you have. You have a fingerprint and the, the radio is just like fire out the songs and this, this service recognises the songs. Um, and then they also have uh, Twitter handles and, you know, sometimes emails of these of these places. So the first stage would literally be just to kind of 
when you get a song played, um, then you can call them up or you can tweet them and say thank you. But ultimately, the idea would be that radio stations would really look forward to and enjoy the idea that um, a musician, a verified person, because we'd be verified by our creative passports, these are digital identity things that we're creating as well, that you'd be able to call up and go, hey, I wrote this song in your city and I was doing uh, an exchange with the British Council and I just thought you'd love to know that. Um, so you could like geolocate songs like a relative, uh, so for example, Cycle Song was written about a trek across Bhutan um, and Be The Machine uh, was written in Essex but it's around gestural music where um so yeah all these songs have like different contexts and I just think it'd be really nice to be able to bring that home in the moment to a radio station should they play it um yeah really so cool we'll and your fans probably dig that as well is there a way for the fans to access that uh, this is literally just like um a theory at the moment like a, an idea oh. we're actually just for the first time actually i'm going to try and get some uh investment from like a, a normal kind of incubator type investment thing i've never tried that but i'm like so listen up bts <laughs> probably should yeah i should probably not spend my own money anymore on all these things um so yeah i'm doing that literally today um but yeah the idea would be that the fans um could have a kind of actually i found this thing called garden radio it's really fun like you could see all the radio stations in the world and you can like hover over them and listen to them assuming that you're in the catchment area that they allow you to hear the music like obviously if you're in the states you might not hear the bbc um etc etc um so yeah the idea would be then that maybe the fan could have something like that or we connect to garden radio and then they can you know know when their songs that they like come up and they can thank other radio stations um directly or to send a message anyway all kinds of things could happen maybe they get like tokens uh if they've called on your behalf to a radio station and thank them that maybe they could be like get some like a rewards some program of some sort a fan, yes. fan loyalty <laughs> yeah. program so this conversation is bouncing around between uh composing and creating and performing and you've actually dabbled technologically in just about every aspect of the music business including distribution. Uh, so for the people who are listening, you know, Imogen's famous as a recording artist, but what a lot of people don't know is that you also created a blockchain distribution system as well. Um, the, um, the Mycelia the network. Mycelia. It's, it's not really a distribution system. Um, it's, a, it's more an idea. It's like a, I was pregnant. Well, sorry, I had just given birth um, to my now eight-year-old daughter, but at the time she was three months. And I was lamenting at the problem of... Uh, having to release a track and all the stuff that you have to do about it, knowing that all the stuff that comes back will be problematic and people won't have the right information. And I was just like, why can't there be like one true verified data set of works where everything the song needs is contained around the song and any service or radio station or somebody getting married wants to put it on their video or whatever it might be, they can ask the song. The song is a service, essentially. I was just like, if we could reverse the industry, so instead of the services like all the muscle and the power and um, that actually the songs held so much power by themselves and that they were the service and the song the, the services could kind of you know find interesting ways to curate that information or deliver it up in nice packages for for people that want to listen to things like you could design your holiday around songs that were written in certain places perhaps um if if, if the songs had like interesting contextual information uh, beyond like you know who wrote it and who produced it but even that information is very limited and often not correct or, or not even exhibited in any way um so the mycelia idea was really i got excited by blockchain um eight years ago or oh, nearly nine years ago and just thought there's something in this technology that i feel could deliver this kind of system this kind of backbone for the music industry which public and private permissions um uh, you know kind of integrating all of the services and we'd have one point of truth um, and we could, uh, you know, really grow something amazing from that. And so I spent a very long time trying to convince my great idea. Oh, it's not my only my ideas. Other people have thought about things like that. Um, it was just like so annoying to me that that wasn't happening. And I could just billion, billions of pounds every year wasted on multiple data sets being complete. And us basically having to pay for it by way of our royalties, you know, having to pay for those companies first. And then we get our tiny little royalties after and it was just infuriating to me. And it, in my head, it was like, this is really simple. Let's just do this. Everyone's going to be happy. You're going to get loads more money. But then obviously, no, because the whole point 
<laughs> is that the industry thrives off the opacity and the friction and in, in, in the money that they can't deliver to people because they don't know where to deliver it. They don't have all the information. Um, so it's not in their interest to have uh, something so that is that is so useful. Uh, so you were really focused on cleaning up the data, the, the metadata around the music. That was really the focal point for that then in order to streamline yeah, royalties. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really I wanted to exhibit... Um, so we basically did a hack weekend, yeah, eight years ago, uh, where just Ethereum had just launched. Sorry, Ether had just launched. Yeah. Uh, Ethereum was like, I don't know, a few right. months before. And um, this was one of the first things that you could buy with Ether. And it was pretty hard to get Ether at the time. So we only managed to sell 200 copies. Um, so it was 200 pounds, you know, 200, it was like one euro an Ether or something at the time. And I was like making a big fuss about it. So excited that we could distribute monies directly from a smart contract um, whenever the song was downloaded. And it's just like, it's just totally normal. Like that mp3.com many, many years ago, two decades ago, you could do that. You put an mp3 up and it, and it paid everyone directly. And this was before all of the you know, collection societies got in the way and tried to be like, oh no, we must, we must do this. Um, and then it got really complicated. And now they can't, they're buckling in the weight of trillions of lines of data every day. Um, so yeah, it was just like, here's the thing. Why don't we do it? Why don't we make it? Um, so that was like super then, early in the in the Ethereum era. I mean, even the idea of a distributed app on top of uh, a decentralized app on top of Ethereum was relatively new when you did that. Would you revisit yeah. it today or would you be interested oh, in going I, back? I have many, many, many plans. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm on the, awesome. basically on the back of, I realized that on the back of blockchain, you know, every single musician on the planet for over a hundred years of recorded music has lamented at the issue of the music industry, you know, having this top-down power and that right at the bottom, the first people to put in time and effort uh, and, you know, money of their own are the last people, if at all, to get paid. Everybody else gets paid first blah, 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 and then if we're lucky, we get some scraps at the end. Um, and it's just been like that forever. But now there's really no excuse. Um, but still, the music industry hasn't progressed. We've had like great innovation in terms of like immediately being able to distribute a song all around the world within an hour. You know, we can do that. We can do that amazingly well. But we're terrible at the other side. You know, it takes two years for that music, the money, to get back to the musicians. How um, strange! So How, what a strange I outcome. Hmm, gee, what I wonder why that might be. Hey, so Imogen, um, we want to get into this topic with you more, uh, your future plans for blockchain and your future plans for AI and so mm -hmm. forth. But we have to take a little break. Now, before we do that, we like to get to know our guests. And so we have um, uh, a thing that we do, which is a lightning round. We're going to ask you a series of questions for short answers. Oh, no. Just okay. give a quick oh, answer. And, okay. Um, okay. and then we'll take a little break. So... Are you ready for the lightning oh, round? Oh, I hate this. Okay, yeah, I feel like a child now. Okay, go. What was your first exposure to science fiction or futurism? Uh, science fiction. Oh, I was probably um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right on. Nice. Uh, yeah. A classic. And is there a technologist or futurist who inspires you? Hmm. I mean, oh God, it's probably not very exciting to say. Um, I mean, ugh, whether you love him or you hate him, I mean, Elon Musk, just because how amazing that one man can like, obviously has like amazing people working with him, but just just like go for your dreams, man. I just, I just the hyperloop and, you know, I don't know, just there's not many people like him. I know it's like, don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, maybe I can think of anyone there. Um, I love four hyperloop, so... <laughs> what's um, what yeah. is the most accurate forecast that you've ever heard by anybody the most accurate prediction or the most accurate forecast um i don't know when i was told that um i was pregnant and it was going to be it was going to pop out in like six months time maybe <laughs> um um that was that was pretty accurate uh to the day <laughs> Can I use what that one? what technology has had the biggest impact on humanity and society oh wow well i mean or maybe it's just because we're right in the middle of it. But I mean, it's pretty amazing right now. It's pretty crazy. Like, 
what AI is doing, even just now, everywhere, prevalent, like just so many people are going to become extremely rich this year. And it's just going to shift the power across the planet. Um, and we have no idea, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, Fantastic. it's exhilarating. Let's, yeah. So I, it has to be now. I mean, okay. Oh so let's take a break and we will, <laughs> we will come back and explore the topic of AI in just a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, you're listening to The Futurists and our guest this week is Imogen Heap. Hang on just a sec and we'll be right back after these announcements. Provoke Media is proud to sponsor, produce and support the Futurist podcast. Provoke.fm is a global podcast network and content creation company with the world's leading fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. And of course, it's spinoff podcasts, Breaking Banks Europe, Breaking Banks Asia Pacific and the Fintech Five. But we also produce the official Finnovate podcast, Tech on Reg, Emerge Everywhere, the podcast of the Financial Health Network, and Next Gen Banker. For information about all our podcasts, go to provoke.fm or check out Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. All right. Welcome back to The Futurist. Today, we are joined by the lovely Imogen Heap. And we're discussing the future of AI and where music is heading. All right. So have you seen how all these artists are now having their art created, recreated with AI, creating new music, new songs? What are your thoughts about that? I mean, I'm not sure really how much is done currently. I mean, there's lots of promise and lots of kind of people scared about how their kind of musical soul is going to be stolen from them and they're going to create much better music uh, with these like algorithms. Um, but I think uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that I'll be able to have like, oh, I call her AI Mojin, um, AI Mojin for short, um, that, that Mojin and I will be able to collaborate together in the future and jam and like, she'll be able to take me to new places, uh, places that I've never been musically and kind of present um, maybe a structure or a, a style of music that I've never even tried. And then, but leave me space to be myself in that and kind of experiment in a, in a kind of safe, nice environment. Um, but perhaps like a digital twin? Yeah, like a digital twin. Um, but also just so much more. Like I don't want to try and humanize her, even though I can't, I am obviously because I'm calling her her. Um, but uh, you know, I want I want Mojin to really thrive and be the best that she can be. I don't want to try to bring her too close to me, and I want her to help me be the most human I can be. Hey, hang um, on a sec, hang together. on a sec, because I oh, think for oh. people listening, we need to explain what Mojin is, because okay. I don't know if everybody understands this. So no, of course, well, take okay. a step back and just tell us about the idea. What is it, and 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 what are you working on with that? Okay, so AI Mojin, um, it began uh, four years ago. And basically it was just before lockdown or during, during lockdown is kind of when we started her, um, like publicly. But basically I see over here, well, you can't see it if you're not watching, but there's a, there's a chair over there and it's a, an egg chair. Um, and I sit in this chair every week uh, or every other week, every other Tuesday mostly. And my fans chat to me in the chair and it has uh, speakers and a light and a little um, uh, what was it called? tablet um, and a, a piece of software that Justin, who's developed it with me, uh, has built uh, an interface so that I can record my answers um, for questions that fans ask me. And the way that they get in there in the first place is if they can't get an answer from AI Mojin, who is like a chatbot at the moment, um, out of existing questions and answers that I've done, then they get to speak to me directly. And then with these conversations that we have, um, they then in turn get edited, uh, kind of it goes like speech to text, and then um, the text gets populated in a little um, kind of program that Justin built for me. And then we can go in and edit it and make it nice and succinct and add uh, alternative questions. And then we upload it to uh, the knowledge store for future reference. So the idea is that I never get to answer the same question twice. Mm. Um, I, I always... I'm always kind of pushed to think differently. Um, so in the future, I would love to think that, you know, even yourself, uh, Robert, would have to take the test of Mojin. And uh, if you can, uh, if you ask me questions that I've never answered before, then you would get to come chat to me in the chair. And then our conversation would equally be able to feed 
you know, Mojen's um, knowledge. Uh, so that's one side of it is the Q&A knowledge store. And that's something that's been amazing for me. It's almost, I would say it is therapy because it's been this kind of, kind of a beautiful space kind of, kind of um, uh, convening um, of, with me and my fans in a very uh, intimate way where it's just them and I and we're just mm -hmm. like speaking in the space and it's very cozy and nice. And How do they, they get to do that? Questions. What's the queuing process? Like, how do how do people get in the queue to ask you a question? Um, well, that, so they, I have an app because a long time ago I came off kind of Twitter and Instagram and all that. I mean, I loved it in the beginning; it was super fun, uh, and I like loved sharing my creative process. But then it all got a bit like shouty, and oh, I can't be bothered with that. Um, so then I just kind of retreated. Um, but I, then I, I was missing my fans, but I just couldn't speak to them for the noise. Um, so I developed this app. Uh, it's, it's called Heapsters um, and you can uh, go and download it and then you can kind of hear all of the music that I've ever made, all of the demos that I'm making um, and then there's a Discord channel uh, for the fans and then there's an app within the um, within the app uh, a bit within the app which is called AI Mojin and then you just ask it questions um, Oh right on, so oh that's cool and they pay oh, good. So that's, like, that's yes. a great way to engage directly with the super fan Are a lot of artists doing that now? Um, I think most people are using Patreon, Patreon, um, nice. which is, you know, it's a really good solution for most people. But I didn't like the fact that I couldn't put my music on there mm -hmm. um, because basically Patreon would have to get permissions from the labels, labels um, yeah. to do that. Mm. And it just makes it not possible for them. And, it's you know, interesting. So these these 19th century rules <laughs> govern the way we get to use music in the 21st century. It seems crazy that these old rules still uh, still exist. They yeah. haven't been adapted. 100%. Hopefully not for long. Hopefully not for long. <laughs> yeah. um, we, shall, we shall make sure of that. When, when you think um, about artificial yeah. intelligence, do you think of it as uh, as an opportunity to be creative or do you see it as a way to handle things like marketing and fan interaction efficiently? Or is it like a, a, a more efficiency tool for you um, or something else? Like, How do you perceive it? Um, for Mojin, I feel like... <laughs> In time, she will become the kind of main interface with me in anything digital, anything information, anything data, any kind of interactions that would involve, you know, the data space, um, the digital domain. So if people want to go and find out something about me, I expect Mojen would be out there and she's the oracle. She knows everything about me. She's way more, she's got great memory. She pulls up stuff exactly that you need to know. And she speaks to you in my voice, but also maybe with slight harmony, harmony going on in the background. We're kind of developing her voice right now. Mm. I mean, I'm kind of liking the idea that the songs that I've created would also have their own, what well, we've talked about the song as a service, but the song would actually speak to you in my voice, but maybe in the voice of hide and seek with some of the lyrics from hide and seek. Mm. Um, it kind of into the way that it speaks. Um, so yeah, I think Mojin's going to be a presence, a kind of a way to help me connect closer. Um, it's not about like speak to the hand at all. It's how to like help you and me get closer together. And when there is a question, um, that really needs to be answered, um, that can't be answered by all the questions that I've answered before, um, or any of the other things that you might need to know, like my calendar or my fees or whatever it might be. Um, then we have that really beautiful time together. Um, and I want to make it easier because at the moment I have to do it on a Tuesday because there's lots of humans in the loop here. Um, but ultimately the idea is that, you know, there's a question, there's a new question, and I'm like, okay. And they're, they're up on my phone. This is what I'd like, up on my phone. And then when I get a minute, I just go, like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to talk to that person now. I'm going to see if the next person in the line is available right now. And if they're not, then they just, they come, they ask, I ask them first next time. Da, 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 da. And then I just go sit in the chair and have a nice chat to them. Um, it sounds like your fan and your interaction with fans is not just a way for you to appeal to fans and, and, uh, and help them keep excited <laughs> or maintain their commitment. But it's a way for you to gather information and actually get inspiration, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's totally not like, I mean, I'm really not good at marketing. I'm not, I, I mean, I put out songs and I'm like, I can't be bothered with the marketing. Let's just like sneak it out there. I, I just hate it. I really hate adding to the noise of like, what stuff that you should buy and listen to. I just don't like it. I want to help the songs kind of be empowered to find you in interesting ways, um, you know, in the future where kind of all songs are contextualized um, and they're kind of, there's like a, 
or this sea or this river of songs of every song and depending on your mood or depending on something that's just happened in life or a picture that you might have just taken um that your own ai kind of assistant person digital twin thing um would know how to find things that you might love that you just don't know because there's no way for you to find it um it's like it would help you discover things in the world um that you that you would love uh because it knows you so well um so it's trying to i i would love mojin to help me get the most out of my time on this planet um and at the same time you know connect me more deeply um with the people out there who i know i would love to connect with um and collaborate with and yeah so it's kind of everything. I mean, she'll sing. She'll have a voice. She has a voice, actually. Um, uh, and, and soon you will hear her voice. Um, and uh, she, I'd love her to, you know, sing with other people, which I'm sure she will, because you'll be able to sing with her voice, my voice, with your voice. I mean, people are obviously already doing it. Grimes is doing it. Holly's doing it. Holly, Holly Herndon. Um, but, you know, to try and make it official uh, and kind of uh, easy for people to do that. And and Holly Herndon, you know, that you're right. That, that was the first project of this kind. And it seems to have, kicked off this cascade of uh these uh you know people indie content creators that want to use ai to make their own songs inspired by the artists themselves and what's interesting is that grimes i think it was last month i believe she was urging her fans to go on a website where they could download assets where Mm -hmm. they can create ai versions of songs of her and uh you know I, I think it's kind of a new trend that's sort of kicking off how do you feel about that where your fans being able to access an ai version of you your digital twin to make their own you know image and heap songs yeah great i mean i love it um i mean i just love the idea that you know this thing this thing my voice so personal to me that only yes. really says what I think, or what I think I think. Um, I love the idea that um, my voice, uh, these cavities, this kind of resonance, has an opportunity to go and exist with other people's thoughts and ideas. Um, there, there are many people, like producers, for example, Guy Sixworth. I love him. I mean, he was my partner in Fru and he writes the most amazing songs. And but he can't sing for Toffee. He could probably hold a like a. He could hold a melody, but he's not got a nice voice. Um, But he could sing with my model and he could sing a song. He could make foo-foo songs um, with my voice. Oh, so it would would repitch and retune uh, anyone's voice in your your voice? No, what it does at the moment, it's like it's tomba transfer. So it's like, Hmm. say you had a color on your screen or you had a shape, um, but you wanted that shape to be a different color. So you just turn it into a different color but it's the same shape um so it's the same it's like it's not i'm not there's not a program who like knows language and it, it's like speaking a different language it doesn't know that it's just literally transferring the timbre the, mm-hmm. the sound uh onto somebody else's voice um so all of the artifacts of that person's voice disappear and in comes mojo um, or, you know, whoever, whoever's voice. And the reason why I really love it is because even just the other day, um, somebody messaged me on Instagram, a really great, beautiful music. Uh, I can't actually remember his name, but it was an Italian uh, electronic um, artist. I don't want to insult him. I think he's like in his 50s and his 60s, maybe. Um, but it was really beautiful music. And I was like, I would love to collaborate with you, but I just don't have the time. I can't even finish one song of my own at the moment. Um, but do you know what? Very soon, you're going to be able to have access to make my voice be on your record without me doing anything um and i would love to hear my voice in your music because i love Mm. your music so i felt this like amazing freedom that i could suddenly be like collaborate with all of these artists but i'm not actually doing it but i could even just imagine it's like try before you buy or it's like you're window shopping i don't know you're like (laughs) wow you know i would love clark or rival consoles to like uh, collaborate with um but maybe they want to try stuff out first you know but, but don't you worry like, about the oh, loss of control or do you worry about the quality control you know if, uh, for instance with Grimes, yeah. there were thousands of songs yeah. that were released and a lot of them weren't very good yeah of course yeah i mean but the thing is 
that, that is what's going to happen. I mean, there's just going to be so much rubbish, you know, out there. The, the next great thing that we need to do is really develop uh, the curation and discoverability of music and how to contextualise it and, and, and find those, those pearls that you're going to love in all the noise. I mean, it's already hard and it's going to get so much harder. Because there's um, a, yeah, a giant mushroom of generated content that's going to grow. Uh, yeah, huge, And huge, huge. so that'll, that'll make the discovery problem harder. It'll, it'll add to the cognitive load that the users have, you know, the fans, because they're going to have to navigate mm-hmm. through all that generated stuff. Isn't yeah, this what I think it will be, I think it will be, um, lots of people have, have like really great roles to like curate stuff, find stuff. And there'll be people who are amazing at that. Or they'll create, you know, they'll create tools that do that for you. So you could have your own personal, you know, um, music shopper um, that would go out and find stuff for you because it knows what you like. Uh, so yeah, I'm not worried about that side of it. I suppose what I, I mean, the best case scenario, wouldn't it be if, Somebody, you know, like with J- uh, Jason Derulo, you know, he like sampled a song, a bit of a song of mine that lots of people thought that I wrote a song around his bit of the song um, because his song was so massive. It was like number one pretty much everywhere for a long period of time. And it was amazing to me. It was like amazing. Uh, I literally could buy a house as a result of Jason Derulo. I would never write a song like that, but... You know, I actually thought when I heard it, and he did ask me about a week before he released it, um, he did ask me, and I just thought, you know what, it's actually really good. I mean, it's not my favourite, but it is good. Like, it is good. Um, And he'd never released a song before, and I just thought, well, why not? You know, give it a chance. And I often say yes. I actually love it when my music... Um, and my, my music kind of pops up in all kinds of different spaces that I would never have gone there personally. And as a result, people find me that would never have found me, you know, people from cloud rap, um, you know, like heavily sampled my music, um, yeah. now know about my music and they come to the shows. So it's cool. And I, I'm excited to see what Mojin's voice gets up to. And maybe if I'm lucky, something really good will happen and, you know, it will free me up to do the projects that I want financially um, because, you know, being commercial is not my thing with music, but it's other people's thing. So right on. Now, one of the one of the concerns with technology is always there's unexpected outcomes. Uh, and, mm. and I think you mentioned this to me when we were when we were, when we met the first time um, that now that you've created a voice sample or let's say a, a, a digital twin of your voice, that you can no longer use voice authentication uh, as a security mm. measure. Right. So you've, <laughs> you've given up that ability because now your voice. Well, I mean, everyone, everyone. You could do it already. You don't even need, like, anyone could literally make a model of a voice. It's not, people, everyone can do it now. It's just, it's not like, it's not, if you're not a coder or you're not like a, you know, super, super geeky person, but it is, anyone could do that now. If they wanted to, they could impersonate the president, you know. Um, It's possible right now. Anyone can do it. Well, that's so, yeah, true with, I mean, with deep fakes. In a way, that's what that's what that Drake um, and The Weeknd yeah. piece was about. And those yeah. artists didn't have anything to do with that song, although yeah. it was a pretty good song. Um, <laughs> kind of an unexpected yeah. outcome. You wake up one day and it's like, oh, wow, someone's just made a new hit using my material. I'm using yeah. my voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, must and it's them, right? I mean, hopefully they would get some revenue, one would hope. Maybe they even orchestrated it. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's just like... It's going to happen, but then there'll be like biometric kind of, you know, or eye scanning, you know, or whatever it will be, something else, you know, um, there'll be some other kind of factor of authenticity. What else gets yes. you excited about the future? What gets you excited about the future performance in a live event? What would make it, what would, what's it something crazy that you would love to try? Um, everything is really about flow for me. So whatever can increase the flow between what the audience are feeling, what I can conjure, the access to a variety of sounds um, and effects and uh, kind of tools that I can literally in the moment reach to without actually you know, putting my head in front of a computer mm-hmm. um, and having this conversation, this flow with the audience. You know, if there's a time in the future where, you know, uh, I don't know, I mean, we've already I've already tried it with like you know heartbeats and like the kind of the the general heartbeat of the of the room at the time you know starts a track or um, people shout out and they say oh I've got a melody and then they start a melody and then somebody else says a style and I'm like okay and then we start a piece of music so yeah just like more of the same really just just more of the same like even I'd love to 
conjure images. I mean, I've been thinking about a visual system, um, which Mojang would kind of interface again. So you'd have all these different inputs, um, accessing things, you know, amazing plethora of like, again, river of photographs or imagery um, that ultimately would be, each one would be a service and you'd have permission to use it live and you'd pay the people in the moment. Um, But equally you could like stream photographs uh, from your fans uh, if they give you permission so that you could show their images and you could kind of morph them into your images and they could create personal stories for people. Um, So they kind of see a little bit of themselves in the in the moment or maybe they'll even have like i don't know augmented ar glasses and they can see their own kind of life that kind of is brought to life by the tags that i've sent the audience depending on the track i don't know that you know that your phone like even if you looked up in your phone and you typed up car um it would probably show your car first because it's or, or your child or whatever and then yeah it would become more relevant to you i don't know yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm not planning to do any live shows soon because I've got quite a lot going on. I want to do first. <laughs> any plans for Imogen to be in the metaverse? Uh, yes, um, for sure. Um, I I would love to take um, yeah even the, the songs that I'm working on at the moment. Uh, I want to explore the song as a DAO. Um, so that everybody who's contributed to the song um, kind of has some kind of authority or uh, kind of agency over it. Um, and to open up all of the, uh, basically a song like an API that people can reach into and create generative work in the style of that song or in a gaming environment or, um, I mean, loads of things I'd love to do. Um, I really, really, again, it's just all about flow. Like how can we, create that flow like we have in the physical world we can go from this shop to this shop with our body but how can we go from this place to this place in the metaverse and kind of explore content and be inspired and you know kind of learn and do live performance yeah do live performance yeah I mean, I've, I've had that's a already time. happening right in Fortnite. You're getting uh, you're getting artists who are oh. capturing 30 million people. It's astounding right, for 20 it's minutes. Huge. 100%. I mean, Wave XR, I think they were the they were the people that did the Marshmallow first um, show. Yeah. Um, and it was incredible. I did a, like a very small thing with them where I performed four songs and they captured it uh, in a point cloud. Um, and then they made me like this huge creature and then this tiny thing. And it, we based it around the house that I grew up in. Um, and you can hear these, well, actually, they've taken it down now. But it was really amazing. And there was one point when we, we launched it uh, and I was singing Hide and Seek. And I was there for the launch. So four in the morning, because it was like whatever time it was in Austin. Um, and they launched it. And then I went into one of the rooms. So it's like 10 people in a room, but there's like hundreds of rooms. Same. Uh, watching the performance. And somebody came up to me and was like, are you, you're not Imogen Heap, are you? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I am. Because I had Imogen, you know, above my cat's head. Um, and they were like, wow, this is really trippy because you're there as well. Like I can see you performing, but you're here. I'm like, I know, it's weird, isn't it? Anyway, can we talk after the show? Because I quite want to see it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sorry. I'll speak to you in the lobby. And then after the show, um, you know, in this virtual space, came back and chatted to some people. Uh, and that was like six years ago. And it just got me so excited that I felt connected to my fans, uh, even just being in my living room, but fully like interacting and feeling their energy by the way they're moving. And oh, I just got so excited. Um, okay, so if imagine I had loads you- of money, I would do so many things. So Imogen, you've, you've performed in the metaverse, you've created an AI avatar of yourself, uh, you've done all sorts of innovative things. Give us a forecast to end the show. Give us a vision of where music will be in 10 or 20 years. What do you think that experience will be like? Hmm. I really hope that, um, I feel like music is kind of stuck right now. Um, we've, we've got so kind of, um, everything's kind of become quite homogenous. And it's quite hard to like create new styles. And I feel like I'm excited about the potential of AI and the, the kind of the new musicians who are like the, the hackers of the systems to create amazing new things that we could never do humanly because we're so like built in a certain way in our brains that we're gonna, we're gonna with AI, create like music that is truly unique and entirely different and 
and original maybe you know it's hard it's so impossible to be hard to be original I think I've only ever managed it like maybe half with hide and seek um and it's such an amazing feeling to like have done something that feels kind of unique um and if technology can help us kind of get out of our boxes um and create really inspiring in the moment kind of so you can kind of literally capture things that are going on in the moment create music very very quickly very well produced music um and create discourse around that piece of music by the song being a service that you can actually have like communions or kind of communities like engaging with the song itself rather than like going over here to twitter or going over here they come in they can go wherever they like but ultimately the, the conversation is held and kind of like um is bubbling around itself uh, mm. so that you could literally go to the nerve center and see all these conversations around a song. So in our um, previous conversation, you had said something like uh, you were vision, your vision was hyper-personalization down to like the single fan. But now you're talking about music in the future as a way to kind of galvanize a whole conversation and engage a group of people. Which well, of those gets think, you more excited? Hmm. I guess I like extremes, don't I? Um, <laughs> I really love, yeah, the one-to-one conversation um, and the, the knowledge uh, of someone else and learning something from them um, or being able to, you know, help each other in some way emotionally get through something. Um, but on the other hand, like, the the energy and the reach of a piece of art um, and giving the art the chance to have a space for itself um, that is belonging to itself, that doesn't belong on a platform over here where you have to like write in this little way but it just kind of like I don't know I think there's something about that somehow like it's a like it's a world of its own and maybe through I don't know kind of reversing the way the industry is right now where it's like it's kind of like excel spreadsheets of services listening to music and it's all just a bit like water um but maybe we can really get excited about beautiful pieces again and kind of celebrate them and come together around them and have discourse around them um because it feels like we don't really do that anymore um we do around technology but even then where do we go to talk about it um so yeah right on right on well thank you very very much for joining us this week on the futurists imogen heap grammy award-winning musician technologist artist it was such a great time to talk to you thank you very kindly for joining us here thank you very much we enjoyed it a lot. And um, yes. uh, thank you, Katie, for coming along and joining us as co-host this week. And thanks to the team at Provoke Media that make the show possible, including our engineer, Kevin Hershon, who's going to make us all sound great. I guarantee you that, Imogen. <laughs> and the rest of the crew. Um, and thanks to the fans, the people who listen to the show and who share it with each other, uh, who turn other people onto the show. That's really very helpful. And as we've been discussing throughout this episode, that level of fan engagement is really what makes this kind of performance and this kind of communication possible. So we really, really appreciate it. Keep listening, keep checking us out. And we'll be back next week with another Futurist. So we will see you in the future. In the future. <laughs> well, that's it for the Futurists this week. If you like the show, we sure hope you did. Please subscribe and share it with the people in your community. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review that really helps other people find the show. And you can ping us anytime on Instagram and Twitter at, at Futurist Podcast for the folks that you'd like to see on the show or the questions that you'd like us to ask. Thanks for joining. And as always, we'll see you in the future. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.